What's Up Whittier? Welcome to What's Up Whittier, a homegrown podcast. A podcast to showcase Whittier's businesses, personalities, and hidden treasures. What's up, Whittier? Dun, da, da, da. Remo. Talk to me, Jesse. Where are we at today? We're at the Whittier Museum. Is it considered Whittier Historical Museum? Whittier Historical Museum. Whittier Historical Museum. You got it that had the historical to it. Yeah. Anything in Whittier is historical. Well, especially in Uptown. We got a lot of history up here. That's right. You're absolutely right, man. Uh, so today we're, we're on location. Uh, have a great, uh, interesting uh, individual that we'll be interviewing. And um, we're, I think we're going to learn a lot. Yeah. I mean, just starting the conversation at the beginning, uh, just knowing what's going on. I mean, I, I think we're going to learn a lot. A lot. Um, and our conversations are normally around food, so this yeah, is really, yeah. you know we, we're good on that department because we can both talk like about these. food. That yeah. works for me too. <laughs> but this is a lot more history of mm-hmm. of the city, which is kind of uh, nice to be able to kind of share it with, with the world. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, with with, uh, with that said, uh, we'll get into it. Um, our special guest today is Bill, as Bill or William, I guess. Do you prefer any? Either way is good. Either way. Well, I'll let you introduce yourself uh, to everybody out there listening. Okay, my name is Bill Ohanesian. I am the producer, creator of the documentary film Turnbull Canyon, A Road Unwound, which is screening uh, this Saturday night, December 4th, at 6.30 uh, upstairs in this very location in the museum. Uh, doors open at 6, free parking, uh, free admission, and free food. Oh, nice. man, see that? <laughs> yeah, we're going back to oh, yeah. food. We naturally <laughs> gravitate towards that. Yeah, that's, it's our consistent key. I thought, I thought the next question was be what kind of food, but yeah. I, I'll leave that towards the end, What's right? the menu like? Yeah, what's the menu like? We had, a, uh, we had a screening about it a month ago, which was a first rollout screening. The food was real, real good, real nice. good. So. Nice. Awesome. Uh, so, so, Bill, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are. Um, you know, just kind of introduce yourself, like, you know, if you were born here and what are you or not, and then uh, we'll get into your documentary okay. right after. I was actually um, born in Monterey Park or grew up uh, my childhood in Monterey Park. My family moved to Hacienda Heights in 63-ish, I believe. So I went to high school, junior high school, some elementary school, and uh, Mount Sac Junior College from Hacienda Heights. Um, after school, in high school in particular, we'd go up to the hills a lot because I grew up sort of at the foothills near uh, Fire Station 91, if you know mm. what that is. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'd go up to the foothills and hide out and hang out and— uh, just get away from the Hacienda Heights suburban life. And it was really a wonderful place to be. Um, we found, we discovered a lot that was up there that we had not been aware of before. And that's where we first started to hear about a lot of the strange stories and everything else. So uh, my, I spent my professional life as a videographer, doing corporate videography and worked in the studio system and this and that. And at one point, uh, about five years ago, we just, some friends uh, invited me to go hike up in the hills, which I hadn't done for a long time. And when we went up there, I realized how much I missed it, how much fun it was, how interesting it was, and uh, how mysterious it was. And being my occupation, being videography, I figured somebody needs to make a movie about this place. Why not me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But have you done documentaries? Is that what you've been doing in the past, or was it more just corporate videos, uh, uh, like marketing stuff? Primarily for money was corporate corporate work. Okay. Uh, I was doing documentaries and sort of experimental short films on the side on my own sort of personal, private passion projects. Yeah. So this was a chance to uh, incorporate the technical knowledge from the corporate video world and to let my imagination go kind of crazy yeah, yeah. by doing something very creative. And bring that passion, right? Absolutely. Do yeah. something with that passion. That's awesome. Um, in terms of the the uh, the documentary you got going on, the Turnbull Canyon, A Road Unwound, uh, let's get into that. What, what is what is it about, obviously, without giving the endings or, or uh, what does it say, no spoiler alerts? <laughs> well, before that, um, just so people are clear, obviously, if you're from Whittier, you know uh, – Turnbull is it's it's the hiking trail on top of Greenleaf that goes over to Hacienda, more or less. Yes, yeah. So that that's the trail we're we're talking about. Now, when you say mysteries, is there some weird activity going up on there? Obviously, 
the whole point of the documentary. But let me throw the question back at you. Uh-huh. Do you know? Of the, have you heard of the stories, the weird myths and rumors that have gone on? You, uh, me growing up, yes, I've heard a few. Okay, I've no, I've never heard. It. I, I've been up on the trail. We were talking about as we began twice in my life. Yeah, and I, I lived in the area for some time. You know, the first time I went up there, I, I never hiked before, and so. I just went with just shorts and newer shoes, and by the time I got down, all my shoes were dirty. <laughs> it was all dusty, and I was like, well, you know, this didn't work out. So I, I next time I was a lot more prepared, but I just remember going up and coming down and just obviously enjoying the view, And then, but, yes. but that was the extent of it. I didn't really think too much of the history around it or stories. So, well, it's it's fascinating, and the trail, the rumors go long and deep for decades. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure which ones you've heard, but um, it's the first thing Turnbull is known for, actually, far and wide. Yeah, uh, if you go online and look up Turnbull Canyon, it there's many many websites. Weird USA, Weird California, just uh, alluding to a lot of the uh, things that have happened. Um, there are many sites that are have been grown over that uh, I've explored and researched, um, and a lot of what is in the film is not every rumor that we have heard, but some of the most well-known ones. Uh, the Gates of Hell is profi- profiled in the movie. Yeah. Uh, the Hanging Tree uh, uh-huh. is profiled in the movie. But in addition to the rumors, there are some very, very scary true stories and true crimes that have happened up there, too. So, so the when you said if I knew anything about or the the stories I've heard, yeah. So again, we're teenagers. Uh, we just had our license, we brand new license to drive, and we used to come and hang out at Trimble Canyon at night, mm-hmm. late night. And uh, I never confirmed, uh, and I've never looked into it. But for us, I think the attraction was that it was an empty site, and it used to be like a pet cemetery. Um, and so again, it was more the thrill of just hanging out, you know, at a pet cemetery late at night. Right. Uh, so that was one. The other one was that it was, um, it was haunted, uh, and it was old spirits that were in the area. Um, and if you were at there at a certain time, uh, certain time, and I don't know if it was a certain date, um, same thing, you would, you would see things kind of, you know, rattle and shake and, uh, but also your car. That your car would would uh, kind of roll or, or move on its own. I've heard, I've uh, talked to a few people up there. Uh, one person in the film in particular who uh, just was hanging out out there one night. Yeah, and he told me many stories along those same lines. Yeah. Particularly uh, being up there and driving his truck down the hill and being bumped by a what he described as a ghost vehicle. No way. And he would talk about how he would be driving down the hill and this is nighttime and there's lights and is you know getting closer to him. And his truck is bumped. He goes around a big bend, and he looks back. No truck. Wow. And there's nothing there. And there's no way for it to go anywhere. Yeah. He swears up and down that this happened yeah. to him. And he swears up and down he was completely sober. Yeah. But there's many <laughs> stories like that. I mean, uh, because I've talked to a lot of folks, heard a lot of stories, and I can't believe they were all lying to me. Oh, really? I can't believe that yeah. every person that talked to me was just putting me on. I think yeah. that a lot of these people sincerely do believe these things happened, and I, I actually am very grateful to them for sharing those stories because yeah. they have to know that it makes them sound a little dubious. Yeah. But, but they were they were scared as they were telling me the stories. So is that is that what the documentary is about? Is to kind of go through and and uh, kind of make true or false of what's happening in the in the area, or is it more just kind of giving the history and the accounts of of what people are saying? The documentary covers all bases. Okay. Uh, I did not want to just do a documentary about sordid rumors. The first half of the film actually gets into the, the history. Mm-hmm. Uh, we speak to some residents about what it's like to live up there and some of the challenge they faced mm-hmm. uh, being in an isolated area. Yeah. I speak to uh, a couple of artists who have actually talked about the beauty of the hills. Mm. Uh, we talk to some – one of the most inter- interesting sections is hikers and bikers. Yeah where we talk about the the joy that hikers and bikers find being up there and the conflicts they have with each other. Because if you've been up there, you know that yes. bikers um, come down quickly. Come down quickly, <laughs> and some of them don't give you much warning. Yeah. And But we also see in the film what a thrill it is for them to do so. Yeah. However, they do address um, those concerns. 
There's one biking group. I don't know if you're familiar with them, the Greenleaf Killers. No. Who um, I connected with, and we spoke. I interviewed them at length um, in Sycamore Canyon, and we talked about their their experiences biking up there. So the first half of the film is essentially those things, the kind of daytime physical activities. Then the nighttime part of the film, the second half, is where we get into more of the, the rumors, the true crimes, the things that go bump in the night. And uh, I interview a police officer who talks about some of the specific things he has been called to um, deal with. So, um, yeah, we get into it's It's interesting. We cover all bases, and that was my intention from the beginning. What's the strangest thing you've heard so far? <sighs> whether it's true or not, right? Yeah, yeah. whether it's true or strangest not. The strangest thing I've heard so far. Uh, one thing I – I'll tell you one thing I heard that I heard from nobody else. Maybe tell me if you heard the story, the story of Hatchet Man. No, no. Supposedly there was somebody who lived in a remote home who uh, killed his family with a hatchet and then lured uh, people up there and did it to them too. Wow. I've never heard this story repeated by anybody else, but the uh, young man who described this describes it in the film and uh, describes it in passing. But it's one of the one of the more obscure stories. The more well-known stories are, as I mentioned earlier, The Gates of Hell, The Hanging Tree, um, The Singing Kettle Restaurant uh, House. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. No, no. Um, and others, yeah. I would, you know, as you're interviewing people and you're hearing their their firsthand experience or whatever it might be, do you think to yourself, this person's off the rocker? Or no, <laughs> Were there well, points of that? I know, I know what you're getting at. Yeah. I give people the respect to tell me what they believe. Got it. And if I give them the respect, I'm yeah. trusting that they're telling me what they believe. Yeah. I'm not challenging their credibility. Yeah. Uh, I've heard some pretty incredible things. I yeah. can't agree with them, but I am interested in what people's impression and um, experience of the canyon is and what it means to them. Because yeah. Yeah. being up there... People have gotten very scared and have gotten seriously hurt. I mean, mm-hmm. there's been yeah. some serious incidents up there. So there is real reason to be afraid and to be yeah. cautious, for sure. So uh, without going, I guess, or giving away, like I said, the whole documentary, um, what is the Gates of Hell? The Gates of Hell is a property that has been known by that name, I think, since the mid or early or late 80s. Okay. Uh, the rumors started going around about the Gates of Hell. And um, I have met the owner. I've actually been inside the property. I do not recommend going up there. It is private property, and it's fenced off with a concertina wire. Uh, however, the uh, I don't want to give away why the reputation built as it did, because it is in the film. Yeah. But there was an incident up there that was related to me by residents that really got the rumor about the gates of hell uh, into the stratosphere. It was a serious problem in the mid-2000s because a lot of kids from all over our area would congregate there and party, and they would break into the property Mm -hmm. and investigate it. And so the owner was told by the police that he had to um, fence it off and prevent entrance. But I was up there just within the last month, and he has some very hungry, rabid guard dogs (laughs) up there. Don't tempt them. Believe me, don't tempt them. That's how you keep people out. You get some two big, three big dogs up there and no You you believe, you believe everything when you hear those dogs barking at you. Um, The property uh, may be developed in the next couple of years. Okay. But the owner's a real good guy. Very cool. Very cool. What about the, uh, you said the, the singing kettle? The singing kettle. Where, where does that come from? Uh, are you familiar? Yeah, you said you guys have both been up there, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you know when you get to the very peak uh, where Turnbull meets Skyline Drive, there's a big white house that kind of goes a driveway that goes up a hill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is mm-hmm. the singing kettle. And that was built, oh gosh, I'm going to say in the 30s. And you said that was a restaurant? It was originally a tea house. Oh, a tea house, okay. And it was sort of um, a place where people would go to, ladies would go to have tea. And they would have these spectacular views. And you can imagine how isolated it was up there. Yeah, yeah. So it took some effort to get up there. Yeah. Um, throughout its history, it, well, the nice part of its history <laughs> is yeah. it became a real estate office at some point. It was a restaurant. The rumor goes, and this is explored in depth in the film, that it became a mobster's hangout, uh, perhaps a house of prostitution. Um, I will say that in the... 
around 70, excuse me, 1970, 71, the house was unoccupied. I know that because I went up into the house myself mm-hmm. because it was uh, rumors or stories about parties that would go on. Yeah. And we went up there. And, and you wanted to check out the party. There was a party going on. <laughs> yeah. It was a great – actually, it was a wonderful experience. The house was – I couldn't tell that there was an owner. But it was a lot of um, kids from all around just kind of mellowing out, relaxing, playing music and other things and yeah. having a very good time. Yeah. So it was, uh, that was my experience inside the Singing Kettle House. Um, currently, it is occupied. And there are residents there and they uh, are not happy with a lot of the – intrusions that they've had to deal with no way so people are still even though people live there people are still trying to get in oh yeah yeah unfortunately i heard Uh rumors about the house i actually spoke to an individual who grew up there uh in the 40s 50s and he told me about his history and his family's history dealing with unwanted uh, intruders in the house wow it's a fascinating place and there's there's so much history in that house that yeah. has not been recorded that may not ever be known. Wow. But uh, it's a very odd – I don't want to say it's a haunted house. Yeah. Other people will, but I will say that there's something very uncomfortable going <laughs> on in that place. <laughs> it's, got some, it's got some energy in it, huh? Seriously, yeah, yeah. Wow. In terms of the uh, the overall name of the Turnbull Canyon, do you go through the documentary and start off with like where the name comes from and so I forth? I do. Or? The um, the namesake of the canyon is a fellow named Robert Turnbull, and he is his story is um, told in the very beginning. He came to the he's a, actually a Scottish sheep farmer mm-hmm. who emigrated here in eighteen early eighteen eighties. I'll say I'll say. And uh, he was a sheep farmer, and he bought some land, and part of the land he bought was Turnbull Canyon. And um, at one point, he sold it to the Pickering Electrical Water and Electrical Company, if I've got that correct. And uh, he came to a very untimely end. And his untimely end, uh, in a way, seemed to set up a lot of the other very uh, untimely, mysterious deaths that the canyon has become known for. Mm. Um, he scored pretty well financially, and that may have been part of his downfall. Wow. But he's a fascinating person. I don't want to tell too much, because again, he's yeah. profiled in the movie. His gravestone actually is in Los Angeles at the, I think it's the Angeles Rosedale Cemetery. Mm. So you can see that, that is the only evidence of his existence. There are no, no photos of Robert Turnbull. No way. There's, no, uh, there's very little documentation of him except for some of his business dealings. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he's a, an interesting, mysterious figure. And I think the fact that the canyon is named after him, the Pickering Water Company named it after him as a way to uh, encourage people to buy properties up there, to give it a human name oh, okay. instead of the, the Pickering <laughs> Canyon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's an interesting guy, fascinating guy. Yeah. Going back to the, the the kettle house, were you are you able to drive up there? No, they, so, have, a, they have a gate, or just generally speak, get to the area. You can go, well, you can drive up to and park in front of it. Oh, you can. Yeah, but but it's not. I don't think it's legal parking. So it's not by the tower or anything like oh, that far. No, up. it's not that far. Okay. It's right Got on it. the street. It's right. Yeah, on the it's street. off the road. It's uh, it, which I I never realized it was empty. I always thought it was always occupied. Um, so. It, it is occupied now. No, no, I'm saying even before, oh, before like, yes. or anytime, because oh, well, I shouldn't say it, it's not like it was my daily commute, but the times I've driven past it, it's always looked like it's been occupied. And so uh, it's interesting to say or hear that at some point it was vacant and there was some fun stuff going on. It was some very fun <laughs> stuff. I uh, have good memories of it. Yeah. Uh, having been up there, I couldn't not cover it in the movie because yeah, yeah. it just became a place where a lot of people from, all, from around the area just congregate to. Um, regarding the documentary, how long did it take to put together? Because <sighs> you would ask that <laughs> a lifetime, right? Yeah. Um, well, obviously, there's some more than the time that yes, you, yes. You know, uh, we've been working on it since 2014, something like that. Wow. Uh, I'll give a little history on that because when I told you we got the idea of just shooting a documentary, mm-hmm. that was about the only thought we had. We didn't yeah. know that it would turn into the length that it would turn into. We had no idea of how it would be structured or what stories would be told. It was pretty just, let's shoot some footage and see where this goes. And so we shot footage. I've been up there 
uh, around my work jobs, my day jobs. I've been up there at night afterwards. I've been there pre-dawn. <laughs> I've gone up there when it's foggy. Um, I've taken days off work to sneak up there to shoot stuff, to shoot interviews. So it's been a project that has not been like sit down and make and shoot it. You have yeah. to go up there with the time that you've got. Um, I don't know how much knowledge or experience you guys have had in video production or any of that, but this is what is called a DIY project. Yes. Do it yourself yeah. or do it myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was pretty much solely responsible for all the uh, shooting, uh, directing, uh, editing, everything. So a project of this length, you usually have like a crew of 20, 30 people helping you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is all my own. Therefore, that's why I took the time it took. Got it. And how about video technology? Because, you know, as cameras got better, does, can you tell what was shot in 2014, 15? Or, or I hope not. <laughs> or, okay. But, you know, yeah, I, this is shot in HD uh, okay. and 4K as far is pretty much more uh, the standard these days. Yeah. However, it looks pretty darn good. We projected it upstairs and it looks good. So, so you're not going to know that this is where the documentary It's not going to look like VHS tape. No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, okay. no. Because uh, some of the documentaries, I, as, before we start talking, I mentioned that I saw the John Greenleaf documentary that was done sometime. And the footage was, was some of it was black and white. Some of sure. it was, you know, back 20, 30, whatever years ago. Yeah. And so it wasn't, you know, HD. It was, you know, you put it together. But your mind becomes HD. Yeah, you're it, just, it's you know, LD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Low def. Yeah. Uh, we have some archival photos in the film. We mm -hmm. have a, we have a little cell phone footage in the in the film as well. So mm -hmm. that's and it's obviously meant to be. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's that in there. But it's the project has been me carrying a camera up into the hills and talking to people, and that's wow. been very fulfilling. You know, very cool. How many people do you think you've interviewed through the, the process? Whether it's, uh, boy, I, I'll, I can't give you an accurate answer. I didn't check. I would say at least I would say between twenty and thirty separate interviews. Oh wow! Some of these were just guy meet in the hills. Mm -hmm. uh, others were set up. Uh, there's a couple that lived uh, on one of the uh, residential cliff areas we spoke to. Uh, I don't know if you know Paul Lukather, the, uh, the character actor, lived in one of the famous houses up there. Um, let's see, uh, various residents. So we've interviewed. Uh, a police, uh, the uh, the police officer I mentioned, but also the fire chief of Station Ninety One oh, about nice. his experiences up there. Nice. Um, we interviewed Paul. Um, oh, uh, I can't think of his last name, but Paul, who is the director of the Whittier Homestead Whittier Temple Homestead Museum, uh, and he fills us in on a lot of the history of the place. Mm -hmm. So we get everyone from knowledgeable authority figures to residents to kids, yeah. mm -hmm. who just say, "You know, I heard this. I heard that." So. And how long is the uh, the documentary itself? That right now it's sitting at about eighty seven minutes. Wow, that's a that's a pretty long documentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why it yeah. takes a long time yeah. to put these things together. But that, that also speaks to the commitment to have to a mm -hmm. project too. Yeah. Uh, you don't. I didn't give up. I just kept yeah. at it. Eighty seven so. finished minutes of video time is a lot of <laughs> video shooting time. Yeah, yeah. I don't even want to think of what the ratio, yeah. the shooting ratio was, because yeah. Uh, yeah, we shot a lot. No. Yeah. And you shot a lot. I shot a <laughs> yeah. lot. <laughs> but, you know, we just we kind of just went along as we, we did it. I'll say that being up there uh, and just exploring and talking to people, that was also my research script stage. That's how I found out more about the Hills from the people that were up there and that they guided my editing. So from nice. what they told me is what, uh, what I turned into a film. At what point did you say, okay, we have enough content, let's start editing? Still, no, still none, huh? I would love to be up there again, still shooting. Okay, <laughs> but well, yeah. that's what I was gonna say because you you said right now, right now it's sitting at eighty seven minutes, like meaning like it's there's still more to it. Like, I was editing until an hour ago. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Okay. Re-editing until an hour nice. ago before we met. So yeah, uh, we're. I suspect that there might be you know a little more time, but right now it's sitting at eighty seven minutes, and. Um, Primarily, I made my living as an editor, so editing is very important to me. Yeah. Editing, I think, is the most important part of any filmmaking process. So it takes a, it takes a focused mind and concentration to really maximize your edit because there's many ways to go about something. Yeah. yeah. So. So is it so? Is it considered done? If you're. 
It's pre-done. <laughs> it's <laughs> going to be done by Saturday. <laughs> it's a living document. Yeah. Living movie. It's a living uh, document, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, done is a good question. What, what is done? Yeah. I was asked that by a, a fellow the other day. And I said, well, done, done to my mind is when I can't think of anything more to improve it. Yeah. And that's the best answer I can give. Yeah. I'm very close to that point, but um, I keep saying things that are improvable. And that's always good, you know, to improve it, you improve your own work. So are you gonna? So after Saturday's debut, um, are are you gonna have it somewhere where if people want to go and look at it or watch it, uh, is there a DVD? Is there like a, I mean, what would be the method of somebody who can make it for Saturday to watch? Um, well, I could ask that, and people ask if it's available online. It it is not going to be available online for a while, anyways, because uh, we want to enter into film festivals. And many film festivals will automatically disqualify your film mm. if it's available to be seen, available to be seen otherwise publicly, because that takes away their exclusive showability cachet. So uh, DVDs eventually, yeah. uh, eventually we'll have that. But right now uh, we're uh, staging public screenings, and I look very forward to people coming out and seeing, particularly local people who know the hills, yeah. who can come up. And I, I encourage all questions. After the film screens, we're going to have a Q&A session nice. when I will take questions from everybody about anything. Yeah. Uh, we've had some – I've heard I've heard some pretty scary stories people have told me in private after screenings we've had previously that uh, you know, I, I understand could not be mentioned publicly. But, uh, mm. yeah, it does, does stimulate conversation. So definitely I'd like to hear what people have to say. Do you anticipate the documentary growing again after Saturday once you get some Q&As? <laughs> or part two. I mean, there's always a, like, right? Like uh, Godfather part one, two, and three. And I have the footage to make a 10-hour miniseries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. That, that's, I think you said it perfectly. Yeah. It's a miniseries. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I, it's a fascinating topic. Yeah. And this may sound self-contradictory for a documentarian filmmaker, but the thing that's been most fascinating to me is the sort of mystery about the place yeah. the elusiveness the mm-hmm. fact that so much the more you know the more you don't know it's the unknowability of it yeah, yeah. and uh that that keeps you keep coming back to find out more to tell the story better so are there certain topics or stories or things you've heard that you still want to explore even though that you're close to being done where you say you know what if, if there was part two that this is the direction i would be going there's one topic there's two topics I would love to uh, explore that are not uh, – we didn't have time or we couldn't get people to, to uh, speak about as far as the Hill experience. One is one people – and you understand why people don't want to talk about why they race up in the hills at night or why people like to go up there and uh, do donuts and spin around and uh, all that because it's illegal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's also very well known – and it's a huge uh, problem with the uh, with police enforcement as well as residents and cars going off cliffs. Yeah, we I've spoke to a few people who've talked about their cars going off, wow. whatnot. And that's something I'd I'd like to get into. Uh, if you know anybody yeah. <laughs> who would talk to me or would take me on a ride, I'm open. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a serious problem up there. Yeah. So one of the the gentlemen, a good buddy of mine, he owned the last home. Um, where Beverly then turns into Turbo Canyon, yes. right? And he said it was like the 605 freeway, and they would be sleeping at 1 o'clock in the morning. They would just be racing. And, yes. you know, and, yes. and that's part of the reason why he moved. It was just way too active. And you get, you know, these cars that have modified exhausts that are loud, and he's just like, I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, with the, uh, high, with the uh, high-speed uh, engines and the mm-hmm. uh, suspension, the rack yeah. and pinion steering. Yeah. Uh, the police officer I spoke to talked at length about that. Yeah. You know, it's just, and I've seen it a little bit being up there just at night, but it's scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other topic I wish I could get into was Turnbull is known as a place where people, where young people especially like to get some privacy at night. Yes. And uh, that has been for good and bad. There have been yes. some dangerous incidents uh, and wells people who just need to get away and be by themselves. But it's not a place where you can, you can, feel safe you might feel private but not really and and that like i said i go back to our my experience like that was the whole reason you want to be able to hang out nobody's going to bother you but there's always that factor of like you know something going to come knocking on our window or somebody's going to come in you know 
all of a sudden feel some kind of gust of wind and is it an individual or is it a ghost or <laughs> I don't know if you guys are aware um very recently about a recent uh killing that happened up there I heard about uh it was sometime in the last year I, I don't remember exactly the, was it that the car crash no 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 okay uh, this was a young couple um who were driving up on the Hacienda Heights side yeah they pulled over uh to I guess uh, have an amorous moment, yeah. <laughs> a private <laughs> and, moment. Uh, car pulled up behind him, and this is this happened at like one or two in the morning. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Guy got out and pulled out a gun, and no way. drilled them both. Wow. Uh, I don't know what the final outcome was. I know that the the driver, the male, was um, immediately killed. The girl, I understand, was like critical in. Excuse me. In critical condition, taken to a local hospital. Yeah, and I don't know whatever the the, uh, the result of that was, but that's to say it's not a safe place. No, you no. know, it's we people like to get away because it's it's mysterious and it's dark and you know. But man, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to be careful. You got to just not do it. You know. Yeah. No, I hear you. I ain't going up there. <laughs> <laughs> so that was not an enticement for you. No, heck no. I don't even like driving on that road. People are speeding, and I'm. Yeah. You know, not the be- not the fastest driver. I like to. I'm always on the phone. Go hiking up yeah, there. Go hiking yeah. in daytime. That's yeah. that's ball. That's that's normally if, if I go up there, that's the only reason I'm going up there. Yeah, hiking was one of those same thing experiences. That, this is way back when. When again, yeah. I was able to run the the hill all the way up. Um, what when was that, Jesse? Man, I was I was young and and uh, and fit. You were 16 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were in high school. I mean, oh, uh, yeah, okay. 17, 18. Yeah, yeah. And um, me too. At that time, it was uh, the big, the only big thing we had during the day that was uh, of concern was the mountain lions. Yeah, there's bobcats uh, up there. There you go, bobcats. Yeah, yeah. and that was always the thing. Like, uh, you know, they're not going to chase you. They're not going to, you know, go after you. And if you do, just stand tall, and you know, they'll just kind of go on their way. Never did I ever encounter any or anything. Um, the only thing I did see was uh, was a dead snake. That was kind of curled up and in, in almost like in an attack mode, um, but it was dead. And uh, that one was a little kind of scary because it was like, dead and it scared you. Yeah, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh man, what the yeah. hell? But other than that, it was just you know, again, yeah. not, you know, everything nice. A lot of the animal activity ha- takes place at night yeah. or early in the morning. There's lots of deer up there. Uh, they're beautiful to see. Yeah. Uh, I've encountered snakes, and you know, there's a lot of. Uh, uh, spiders and this, that, and the other thing. But yeah, we have seen bobcats. There's a lot of coyotes up there. There you go. Coyotes um, too. And, and so, are, when you go up there, you're, do you take a stick? Do you take any type of. I do. I do. Yeah, um, okay. I take a hiking stick. I didn't mm-hmm. used to, but um, I, hiking stick and hiking boots. Mm-hmm. Um, really, it makes such a difference, and I wish I'd done that sooner. But uh, the stick is good because some of those grades are partic- yeah. particularly up to the old water tower. Yeah. Is pretty uh, pretty treacherous. So good and, to have it, and the, good for defense, right? Good for defense <laughs> too. Yeah, you know, I, I never understood why people use hiking sticks because it would just I never did until one time we were walking and, and it was uh, we walked. Coyote was in a distance, and I was like, you know, if we didn't have anything. Then I, the next like day, I went on Amazon or went online and, and bought two sticks for me. <laughs> so, use them once, but we still have them at the house. <laughs> so you guys haven't asked me about the water tower. That was my What's next that? question. Yeah, right. actually, no, no, I'm serious. Because that's the other thing you hear about the hike, right? Or up there, it's a water tower. I mean, tower. that's the peak, right? That's where you get to, and that's home base. Right? Yeah, yeah. Top of the base. So, so do you talk about the water tower? And, and Extensively. The, the water okay. tower... Um, have you guys both been up there? Yeah. Okay. You know what it looks like. You know that uh, it's a, kind of a big canvas for the yes. local artists. Yeah. Yes. Um, that is it's pretty much a pilgrimage point for a lot of people going up to hike because it is such a, a focal point. And um, it also is got its share of rumors and mysteries that we mentioned in the film. People have gone up really? there late at night. But primarily, it's a, it's a great hiking destination. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll tell you, and I'm, one thing that was very pleasing for me to discover during a hikes is that when we get up there, I can say that 95% of the people I talk to are just cool and pleasant. Yeah. And just are, are, there's a sort of rapport between everybody who's made it up there mm-hmm. and gotten up those distances and those grades. Everybody's very friendly. Uh, I've never really encountered anybody who's been 
aberrant or coarse or hostile or anything. And that's really gratifying. It's, it reminded me a little bit of my teenage experience out of the singing kettle. You get to a place and everybody's, everybody's good. Yeah. You know, and that's nice. Uh, I really recommend going up there just, just for the conversation, just to meet yeah. folks. Is there anything you could talk about in terms of mystery? Because you said mystery at the water tower. Like, is there anything that stands out? Documentary. No, no. But is there anything that stands out, like from from that? Like, well, people have said that it is a central site for. um, uh, I'll repeat what people have said in the film that they have seen hooded figures going up and holding uh, Santeria type of ceremonies with torches. This is what I'm told. I have no evidence of it. I spoke to a, a pastor at Agape uh, in Pico Rivera. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, uh, who spoke very articulately about some of the things he has heard from uh, his um, his uh, uh, congregation, congregation people. Um, I hope he'll actually be at the screening. Good guy. Um, it's a place where by day it's very friendly and, and nice and pleasant. The views are outstanding. Yeah. By night <laughs> – Something else? I would be kind of scared, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I'd be very scared at night because yeah. you just don't know. And it, it is a place that does provoke behavior, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is no longer a functioning water tower to my knowledge. Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't think they – So it has no purpose other than it's just a, a landmark. Its purpose right now is to be a great uh, canvas yeah. <laughs> and to be a um, – um, point or a high point where a lot of uh, radio uh, antenna have been posted mm-hmm. That's right. for internet and whatever. So yeah. there's a lot more up there than uh, was before when we started. Interesting. What's interesting, another thing I'd like to mention is that how much that area has changed. Not just from when I went there as a kid, but just in the last years that we've shot this film. We've got, we've got footage that we, cannot, we could not get now. Really? There is stuff that we have shot that we have seen that does not exist. There's people we've interviewed that are no longer with us. So there's a real argument for, if nothing else, for me, the commitment of seeing it through. Yeah. But also just to get what you can while you're there and to to be so attuned to what's going on. Yeah. Do you know the distance from the bottom to the top? You mean well, along uh, Beverly? Uh, no, no, sorry, from like uh, to the water tower. Like from the start point to hiking up the water tower, do you know? Elevation or do you mean just distance? Just distance. And the reason why I bring it up is because I'm because th- you said there's a big change, and I'm thinking, man, the last time I was there is about 20 years ago, and so just imagine the change that's occurred, yeah, just yeah. in the last five, ten Tremendously, years, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm thinking, can I hike that? I think <laughs> you know, it's a mile and a half, a couple of miles. There's different ways oh, to get to that. Done. Piece of cake. Yeah. From Hacienda, it's a lot easier, right? From Greenleaf, it's a little tougher. From Hacienda, you mean? Uh, from the other side, I think. From when you go up Greenleaf. When that's your starting point to the tower, I think that's a more steep climb. Yeah, yeah, you go up the hill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's uh, there's higher elevations where you mm-hmm. can uh, park at and go to. But yeah. uh, but parking is a problem. You know, as you know, they've restricted parking, um, so you have to f- kind of find your way in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it is it is worth the the trip for sure. Yeah, yeah. What what other uh, kind of interesting points have you found uh, along the documentary where it's something like that where it's a, you could enjoy it uh, during the day with family and so forth. Is there anything else that, that comes up? Uh, well, there's the Western Water Tower. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No. That is on the far west end above Sycamore Canyon. Okay. That's sort of the cousin to the old water tower on mm. the uh, on the east. Uh, that is that's that is in use. Uh, it's also fenced off. There's security cameras. Not many people go there, but it's an interesting – it's a good workout to get up there. Yeah. Um, an interesting area to visit, which very few people do for reasons unknown, is the east side of Turnbull Canyon Road. Uh, we all know the west side where most people go, where there's most trails. But if you park on the uh, pull-offs, you can actually go on the east side of Turnbull. And that's practically deserted. Hmm. There's a few bikers, of course, but they're usually pretty uh, conscientious about letting you know. But it's a whole wide View looking generally east and south. Yeah. That's neat. There's a lot of trails up there that'll be good good workout trails. Right now it's very dry. Yeah. Uh, I'd recommend going up there. Maybe hopefully later on when it gets a little greener and more grown out. But um, yeah. that's pretty neat. I like that a lot. 
Very cool. Well, you're the person to go up there with. Huh? <laughs> yeah. You could, you know, Jesse and I go probably get lost. <laughs> yeah. Hey, getting lost is the fun part. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. As long as I have cell phone signal just in case I can call for help. And <laughs> yeah. If you're lost with good friends, it's a good yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Nice. That's awesome. Bill, um, I know we could go on forever with this uh, uh, conversation. I'm just getting warmed up here. <laughs> I know, I know. We're, we're just getting – but, uh, again, I, I – Again, I'm interested uh, to see the documentary. Uh, I look yeah. forward to obviously having the ability to watch it in the future uh, multiple times. Or if there's, hope, you know, yeah, because um, like for me, and I don't know how it is for you guys, but when I watch a movie the first time around and I watch it again the second time around, there's a lot more things I don't catch the first time, yeah. and so I'm always wanting to re- review. Well, you got to stay awake for the yeah. <laughs> for well, that, that certainly applies to this one. This is, yeah. this one is packed with a lot of information yeah, and a yeah. lot of stuff. I'd actually like to take the moment to give a thank you to the people who uh, helped us out on this project, the people who gave us their time, who spoke to us, who were honest about their um, experiences and feelings, and I appreciate uh, their graciousness to let us let us into their lives and talk yeah. about things because that's. As a documentarian, it's very important to get cooperation from people. So, yeah. and again, thank you for putting it together. Because again, where where we started at the beginning of the conversation, it was the historical museum, right? And so, it's that histor historical portion of it or history of it that um, even though we could document and you find records from back then, it's never it's never uh, readily accessible uh, in terms of video. Yes. We always see photos. Yes. We always yes. see letters. But to be able to have an, a different type of media, for me, is always kind of cool to see. And the extent of it. I mean, you, yeah. you might see a two-minute video or a, a, a cell phone footage from – maybe not cell phone, but a camera footage that was very minimal, but not storytelling. Yes, and I think that's the, yes, yes. that's the important piece where you can actually you know, capture the, 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 the canyon with like a visual which is yeah. well this does that this yeah. will this will blow your mind with yeah, uh, nice. with the extent of the detail i want to thank the museum by the way uh, nick edmeyer for putting this all together and yeah. hosting these screenings they provided us with some documentary photos historical stuff and been very helpful good group very cool so any plans in the future to do something else uh like document something else here in whittier that you're kind of um not not immediately no no okay. uh, i'm still wanting to finish this and um you know, this is this is the big project for me for the time being. Uh, yeah. There's so much inward here that it's worth exploring. But this really suited me because I knew it. I grew up and I spent time in the hills. The 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 personality, the mystery I spoke of is very appealing. Um, we could go on and on. No, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I hear know. you. I, hear uh, you. I, I urge you uh, to go out and to spend time up there yeah. and hope to see the movie. Well, I'm definitely wanting to see the movie, and I'm actually thinking of hiking. So. Remo, let me know when you want to put on your hiking shoes, and uh, we'll you, start. You guys yeah. haven't asked me about any superstitions. Well, you brought yeah. it up. Let's go. What, 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 uh, I'm going to tell you a superstition that uh, relates to the hills that I I kind of made up. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and why not? Mm-hmm. Obviously, when you're doing a project like this, there's um, a lot of that is out of your control. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, is my car going to get towed? Am I going to somebody get something going to happen? My suspicion was to go in there and always bring out trash. I'd take a, tra- I'd take a plastic bag and bring out plastic bottles that people toss out, beer bottles, whatever. The reasoning in my mind being that the, the spirits of the hills are watching. And if they see me taking care of their property, they will provide me with a little protection. They will provide me with an opportunity to maybe shoot a coyote that comes out of nowhere. And however this may sound, I can tell you, I've had some pretty darn good luck with things that just happened out of nowhere. Uh, I could give you a number of examples, but just incidents that I just was fortunate to be in the right moment at the right time. They're in the movie now where I can only thank forces above and beyond my own capability (laughs) that Mm -hmm. things happened when I had the camera there and running. Wow. So I do give credibility to that. Yeah, yeah. And why not? Um, When you're saying uh, uh, shooting a a coyote, did you get a coyote? So you haven't got shots of a coyote in the film? We do. Oh, you do? We have coyotes. We have deer. We have stink bugs. (laughs) We have snakes, uh, rabbits. Those are the original inhabitants of the hills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the the natives, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's who they belong to. Yeah, very cool. Is there anything else you want to mention uh, that we haven't covered? 
In terms of the documentary or, or, or just – One thing I'd like to say is people ask me what kind of documentary this is because mm-hmm. people have expectations um, of different documentaries. Um, this is not an expose documentary. It's not a accusatory documentary. It's not a you know the traditional Michael Moore or Ken Burns type type of documentary. I describe this as a nonfiction film about the overlap and intersection of fiction and nonfiction. Hmm. So this film is about it's a real film about beliefs people have that overlap with known reality. Wow. We talked about the dangers of the hills. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people, uh, there's a lot that is just made up, hangman's tree, whatever. But there's a lot to be seriously scared of. Yeah. So this film purports, uh, this film attempts to Address cover that, that territory, yeah. that, that overlap and intersection of yeah. reality and, um, and myths. So you said hangman's tree a couple times already. Is that real or fake? <laughs> the people who told me, swear to God, they have seen uh, hanging figures. Wow. A number number of people told me. Yeah. I can't say they're they're lying. I can't yeah. say they're right or wrong. I've also heard that they're in many different locations. I will tell you that the one substantiated um, example I found or I was told was by uh, the police sheriff deputy who took me to a site where they did find a young man who had hung himself. Oh, wow. Uh, I can't say that that was the hanging tree that many have hung from, but – that did happen, absolutely. That was my next question. Is there an actual tree? But you're saying it could be different. I've heard on, on different locations, yeah. Uh. So uh, one person in the film attributes some of the early hangings to uh, racial animosity, yeah, uh, which I think is entirely cap- uh, possible. Uh, there have been other uh, reported incidents, but that one uh, for sure happened. Wow. But so, yeah, there have been a few different locations and there's no reason to think that if there was one hanging somewhere why wouldn't somebody More, choose yeah. another tree yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. wow but Again, hangman's tree is a big one yeah i think we could go on and on with this stuff it's uh it's definitely interesting watch the documentary uh, yeah. come see the movie yeah. even i was gonna say even like after the documentary airs it'd be good to kind of just bring you back and more than and, happy and yeah. do a, a follow-up um with that said We'll get into our Whittier questions uh, so Shoot. we can wrap up our, our interview here. Yeah. Um, I know you say you didn't grow up here in Whittier, right? That is correct. I grew up in Hacienda Heights. Hacienda Heights. Um, but have you been, I guess, is there a, a place in Whittier that you enjoy uh, a drink or, or a meal? Like when you come travel. Let me tell you, let me answer that question as back then and now. Okay. Yeah. Back then, before the earthquake, when we'd come to Uptown Whittier, which was yeah. a really interesting happening place compared to Hacienda Heights. My mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of our favorite places to hang out was uh, Ames Used Bookstore. Okay. I don't know if you know of Ames, but yeah, it, heard of it, yeah. it did get destroyed in the earthquake or yeah. at least seriously damaged. We knew old man Ames. I don't remember his first name, but he was a great guy, and his bookstore was the the, the wonderful fantasy of what a used bookstore was. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He would show us books. He'd talk about things, different authors. Um, he was a great guy, and that, that was one of my treasured memories of uh, old Whittier prior earthquake. In addition to the El Patio Mexican restaurant. Yeah. Which is Sage now. Is it Sage now? Sage, yeah. Where I got my first margarita illegally, <laughs> me and my buddies, and enjoyed it a lot. Nice. <laughs> They're still giving out illegal margaritas. <laughs> okay, we'll meet there after the yeah. interview. Um, these days, these days um, well, it's so much is gentrified. Uh, mm-hmm. We used to go to the, the Wardman movie theater and the Whittier what do you, is it called Whittier Movie Theater on Greenleaf? Whittier or something? Uh, Cin- cinema. I forget what the name Anyways, was. Anyways, we had, that would, we'd go yeah. there occasionally. Um, I recently just uh, enjoyed the, the Whittier Brewing Company. Interesting. Uh, which, is, which has a really good selection of beer down there and a nice. uh, very pleasant, relaxed patio atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Lovell's Record Store uh, transcends the decades. Yeah, yeah. Went there then, and I go there now. Nice. Uh, we go hang out at Mimo's after our hikes from time to time. Mm-hmm. I really like that Greenleaf is being turned into more of a commuter um, uh, area mm-hmm. instead of a uh, transportation uh, artery. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm glad that they put out the tables. It's a really nice yeah. little walking area. I think nice. it's wonderful. Yeah. Very cool. Now, if there's uh, one fond memory you have of Whittier, and, and this might be the wrong question to ask you because you Shoot. probably have many fond memories. <laughs> is there one that really stands out in Whittier to you? That when you think, Woodier, this is the one memory that you gravitate to. Yes. 
1985, speeding madly up up uh, Beverly from the 605 freeway. Okay, you know uh-huh. the the the, uh, the tree tree line tree line street. street yes, yeah, speeding yeah. madly for the birth of my daughter. Oh wow, wow! Thinking, and my my wife telling me, "Calm down, it's okay. <laughs> it's not okay. It's not okay." <laughs> yeah. And that is a, probably as prominent a memory as I wow. have of Whittier. Uh, not that it has to do with anything more than just the moment and the sure. time and the emotional feeling, but yeah, the, uh, the birth of our daughter uh, in eight, 1985. Uh, speeding and up you make, make it on time and everything was plenty of time <laughs> <laughs> you got there and it was like another 12 hours exactly. right? <laughs> I've been there yeah. which is interesting you say that because when you're driving down the street you almost want to take it easy enjoy the ride right and not, here's not, the opposite not when you're trying to, no, about to saying, give birth like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah that's yeah. funny <laughs> is there one thing in Whittier that maybe you leave the city for that you wish Whittier had Oh, that I, say that again. Yeah. I leave the city for that. I wish that, yeah. Is there something that's missing in the city of Whittier that you would like to see here? Maybe you venture off to another city for this, whatever that might be, activity. Or- uh, I miss that old, that old bookstore. I really do. Maybe that's because it was a, a very prominent memory from my uh, mm-hmm. high school, uh, junior college years. But I would really like to see more of that kind of funky original bohemian little place. Lovells has a bit of that quality to it. Yeah. You know, they've been around a long time and they have a, a connection to the past. And I really appreciate that a lot. Yeah. And uh, Ames Bookstore was a, was one of those places too. And I I wish there was another Ames now. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that, was, that was it. But I'm glad they have a good brewery anyway. Yes. You know, like <laughs> a lot of those. Are, yeah. 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 A lot of places to, to oh, enjoy man. a beverage. Well, Bill, thank you again for coming on. My pleasure. Uh, we look forward to a documentary. And, uh, yeah, hopefully next we bring you back and we're, li- we're talking about part two. Or, Let's do it. Yeah. Or mini series or something like yeah, that. Uh, yeah. And you give us a little bit more history on, on what's going on here in yeah. Turbo Canyon. Well, I'll look forward to your reaction to it. Yeah. Thank you. Nice. If people want to reach out to you or get a hold of you, uh, what would be the best way? We have a Facebook page for the documentary, uh, which is titled Turnbull Canyon, A Road Unwound. Okay. And uh, if you look that up on Facebook, you'll find it. That's probably the quickest way of uh, receiving. And you can leave me a Facebook message there, and um, and we'll be posting notices of upcoming screenings and this, that, and the other thing. Okay. And yeah. that was my next question. Uh, how many – do you have a schedule set for next screenings or – Well, uh, our biggest, our biggest uh, obstruction is, guess what, COVID. COVID. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would like more than anything else – to be able to show this in uh, some of the high schools and colleges in the area because those are the people that are up in the hills yep. as much mm-hmm. as anybody. Yep. Uh, and, but COVID is uh, putting a big, big lid on public gatherings right now. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, that is to be seen. We're hoping for a few more uh, upcoming screenings, but not, uh, not until next year because, oh, generally murders and uh, assaults and uh, – Horrible incidents don't go well with Christmas season. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's probably worse time, right? Yeah. But, you know, we'll get past that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Perfect. All right, Bill. Uh, so if anybody listening and they want to get more information on the future screenings, you could go to the Facebook uh, site, uh, Turbo Dash, or Turbo Canyon, a road unwound, and uh, follow it there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Sounds good. Again, thank you, Bill. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate your time. Yeah. On to the next one. Bye, Woodier. Good night. See you later, Woodier. <laughs>